1: This is day 44, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Exodus 25, 26, Leviticus 19, and Psalms 79. Exodus 25, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. Goat hair, ramskin dyed red, and another type of durable leather. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spicing for anointing oil, and for the fragrance, incense, and onk stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Have them make an arc of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet, with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Also, make around it a rim a hand breadth wide and put a gold molding on the rim. Make four gold rings for the table and fasten them to the four corners where the four legs are. The rings are to be closed to the rim to hold the poles used in carrying the table. Make the poles of acacia wood. Overlay them with gold and carry the table with them, and make its plates and dishes of pure gold, as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of the offering. Put the bread of the presence on this table and be before me at all times. Make a lampstand of pure gold. Hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair. Six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be of one piece with the lampstand, hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, with cherubim woven into them by a skilled worker. All the curtains are to be the same size, 28 cubits long and 4 cubits wide. Join five of the curtains together and do the same with the other five. Make loops of blue material along the edge of the end curtain in one set and do the same with the end curtain in the other set. Make 50 loops on one curtain and 50 loops on the end curtain of the other set, with the loops opposite each other. Then, make 50 gold clasps and use them to fasten the curtains together so that the tabernacle is a unit. Make curtains of goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle 11 altogether. All 11 curtains are to be the same size, 30 cubits long and 4 cubits wide. Join five of the curtains together into one set and the other six into another set. Fold the six curtain double at the front of the tent. Make 50 loops along the edge of the end curtain in one set and also along the edge of the end curtain in the other set. Then make 50 bronze clasps and put them in the loops to fasten the tent together as a unit. As for the additional length of the tent curtain, the half curtain that is left over it to hang down at the rear of the tabernacle. The tent curtains will be a cubit long on both sides, which is left will hang over the sides of the tabernacle so as to cover it. Make for the tent a covering of ram skin, dyed red, and over that a covering of the other durable leather. Make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, with two projections set parallel to each other. Make all the frames of the tabernacle in this way. Make 20 frames for the south side of the tabernacle and make 40 silver bases to go under them. Two bases for each frame, one under each projection. For the other side, the north side of the tabernacle, make 20 frames and 40 silver bases, two under each frame. Make six frames for the far end, that is the west end of the tabernacle, and make two frames for the corners at the far end. At these two corners, they must be double from the bottom all the way to the top and fitted into a single ring. Both shall be like that. So there will be eight frames and 16 silver bases, two under each frame. Also, make crossbars of acacia wood. Five for the frames on one side of the tabernacle and five for those on the other side and five for the frames on the west at the far end of the tabernacle. The center crossbar is to extend from end to end at the middle of the frames. Overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars. Also, overlay the crossbars with gold. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finest twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place but the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant Law is the most holy place. Place the table outside the curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and put the lampstand opposite it on the south side. For the entrance to the tent, make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen, the work of an embroiderer. Make gold hooks for this curtain and five posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and cast five bronze bases for them. Leviticus 19, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect your mother and father and you must observe my Sabbaths. I'm the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I'm the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because they have desecrated what is holy to the Lord. They must be cut off from their people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. "'Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. "'I am the Lord your God. "'Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. "'Do not swear falsely by the name "'and so profane the name of your God. "'I am the Lord. "'Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. "'Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. "'Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block "'in front of the blind, but fear your God. "'I am the Lord. "'Do not pervert justice.' Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothes woven of two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a female slave who is promised to another man, but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom, there must be due punishment. Yet they are not to be put to death because she has not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance to the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord." With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for the sin he has committed, and his sin shall be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you must eat its fruit. In this way, your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. Do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Do not practice divination or seek omens. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn the mediums or seek out spirits, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest fath and an honest hin. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. Psalms 79. O God, the nations have invaded your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have reduced Jerusalem to rubble. They have left the dead bodies of your servants as food for the birds of the sky, the flesh of your own people for the animals of the wild. They have poured out blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there is no one to bury the dead. We are objects of contempt to our neighbors, of scorn and derision to those around us. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? How long will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that do not call on your name, for they have devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland. Do not hold against us the sins of past generations. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Before our eyes make known among the nations that you avenge the outpoured blood of your servants. May the groans of the prisoners come before you. With your strong arms, preserve those condemned to die pay back into the laps of our neighbors seven times the contempt they have hurled onto you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. From generation to generation, we will proclaim your praise. Okay, so towards the end of the last story, the tabernacle was being introduced to us and Dr. Carmen Imes pointed my attention in her free Exodus class on the Bible project to the patterned connection between this story and the Genesis story. I think that's so cool. There are six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called Moses from within the cloud, and Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain after entering the cloud. Moses was able to dwell with God, and Dr. Imes describes it as a foreshadowing of the 40 years the Israelites will spend in the wilderness. The 40 years will be like an extended creation story— representing a getting fit challenge, where like the creation story, God is ordering what is not yet ordered. He's restoring, he's redeeming. In this case, he's inviting the people into Sabbath for rest on the seventh day to remember, just like in creation, that he is the creator, but also to remember that he is the rescuer. To remember he is not only the creator, but our source of rulership. God gave us a portion of power and authority to rule with him because he wanted us to be his image and name bearers in his dominion and realm. So I love this, thinking about this as a get fit challenge, if you will, where, because I don't know if you remember, but back in like, I think it was Genesis 1 verse 2, where God is hovering over the dark waters and you know the land is wild and waste. And it's like, maybe there's something there, but it needs to be restored or redeemed. It's the same thing kind of story but in a different way and it's focusing less on creator and more on rescuer restorer redeemer really cool so the connection but yet the uniqueness then in this story that we read today the lord says to moses he's starting to say in seven speeches that go from exodus 25 through exodus 31 so we'll be talking about these for a few days also starts to echo the creation story So again, Dr. Imes points to the patterning after the Genesis story, specifically chapters one and two of the first two pages of the Bible, the Genesis story. So in the first speech, which we read about, the tabernacle is getting furnished. That is what we focused on today. It's creating a sacred space. Here in this story, Exodus 25 verse 18 and 26 verse one, the tabernacle is created with two cherubim as guardians of this sacred space. In a similar way to Genesis 3 24, where God put two cherubim to guard the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were dismissed. So, Dr. Imes points out so many other creation echoes in this tabernacle text, which are really, really cool. For example, she describes how the creation story in Genesis 2, verse 9, has a tree of life, and here in the story in Exodus 25, Verses 31 to, through 37, we read about a lampstand with seven branches and it talked about like almond blossoms um, and how they're all interconnected. So it's, it like echoes this tree of life. And light in Genesis 2 12, and here in Exodus 26, verse 37, and places in chapter 28, which we'll get to later, described gold and onk stones, these precious stones. And gold is thread woven on the priest's garments, and there's going to be two onk stones on their shoulders. Again, there's this echoing and this connection. And there's many more. It's not that there's like a one off like connection, it's the culminative effect of all of these cool things that speak to this bigger pattern narrative, which is so, so, so cool, because it's the story we're in. Dr. Imes points out how even the creation of the tabernacle does not supersede the seventh day of rest. So even in all the descriptions of how to create the tabernacle, that takes a lot of work that he, you know, God even called for skillful workers. And so I think that's really cool because work is worship. We talked about that in Genesis and how it's not just a call to like, priesthood per se but we all are called to be a kingdom of priests but that skillful work and all this display of all of our giftings are needed but that keeping the sabbath irregardless of it all is so important we must rest even in god's work so work is an act of worship we learn that in genesis and see it here but the sabbath is a ceasing of work it's a dwelling and abiding a reigning with god a being in his presence The Sabbath also has an outworking, a putting on display of God for others in this rhythmic practice, as well as something personal and close in our relationship with God, restoring, refreshing, renewing um, of our own souls, of our own bodies. And we read a lot about sacred space. It's a rhythm of coming before and basking in the presence of God. There's this recognition and recall to memory, which is powerful. in in marketing research, which of course my brain goes to, right, would support this too. The perpetual engagement of a person with an organization, even if it's like a mobile app or some sort of image or video or story or game, it strengthens the person's familiarity, attachment, loyalty. They will more easily draw to mind um, this organization and, and perceive and be in relationship with them in one way or another. This is both exciting and scary because marketing is, it's a powerful tool. And I always tell my students by itself, it is not inherently good or bad. It's a powerful tool like so many other things and learning to use them well um, to serve the Lord and God's kingdom and honoring his way of doing that is is our task if this is your call. Dr. Imes brings up this very important point about how some people tend to view the priests and the sacred space in the tabernacle context as like otherly or not for the people of Israel or secondary to them. When Dr. Imes brings up how it might be more of an integral, exemplar um, sort of situation in the sense that at the center of the sacred space, is the tabernacle where God dwells. And the two tablets are God's words, or most of us refer to them as the 10 commandments, are in them and how the priests bear God's name and follow these commands very specifically in order to come close to God's holiness and reflect him. As a reminder, because I can't remember if I've said this yet, Dr. Imes brings up the reason for both tablets being in the tabernacle. One way of interpreting it is because in the ancient culture, two deities would hold each other accountable with words written in stone. But in this case, Yahweh God is making known to them in this contrast where he is making it clear that he is is the only God and he will hold himself and us accountable. While I think it makes sense to ask why aren't the tablets in the town center for the people to see and be reminded, to that question I have to remind myself that most of the people did not read or write and things were learned and passed down through oral traditions like poetry, story, and song. So putting them in the center wouldn't have the same necessary effect. Also, I I tend to point back to the actual and original stone. I'm thinking it's representative and their placement in the story It really matters because he specifically wants them in the tabernacle. So here God is being faithful to us in this relationship, and he will also send his son Jesus, if we fast forward, to be faithful for us. It might be like a hint or a foreshadowing that we cannot purely and completely honor these 10 commandments or these words um, that we need to and that he's it's like he's saying i will hold you and me accountable cuz that's how it has to be for us to be holy and together um but i will be faithful to to you and i will also be faithful for you it just like oh overwhelms me with what a wonderful god We have a God that is indicating here in the story that, you know, he will both be faithful to us, faithful for us with a sacrifice to cover, to atone. We're going to talk about clothes here soon and how that's also symbolic of covering and how he's restoring and redeeming our way back into the purpose to live out God's role for us. But our role doesn't depend on us. That's so unique. So sometimes when we're working, we're like, well, you know, I'm responsible for if I have this job or I don't, Um, which is only kind of partially true, to be honest, but that's something else. In this story, God gave us the role, but he doesn't depend on us for the role. I mean, there's verses in the Bible that talk about how if we don't do it, even the rocks will cry out for him. We're invited to work for his organization and brand. In fact, we're made for it created for this purpose, but God is not forcing the issue. He gave us a gift, a life, and to live it fully and and in purpose, we submit to his priestly kingship over our lives, or we pull away and use up every ounce of the gift until the light that we cannot restore, redeem, renew, or keep alive on its own, it just runs out. In Leviticus, we read more about the laws that move towards an ethic and a culture both internally and externally, that represent God's vision for us as he described it more so in Genesis 1 and 2. God called us into work, which often required creativity, innovation, care, and this leads to sociocultural creations, among other things like economies, technology. We're not seeing God deconstruct everything that the people of Israel created here or were creating. We see God zooming into the culture they had from the culture they left in Egypt in the context of their neighboring cultures like the Canaanites, and he is giving specific instructions like a specific to their body type, get fit challenge to improve their state internally to flourish and externally to represent him well. I think we have to be careful about reading them like an exhaustive list or from the ground up modeling of culture building because many things are not prescribed or proscribed, meaning there's not like an exhaustive list of do's and don'ts. Although it may seem exhaustive, it's very specific to this, what they're trying to do. Not that we can't take a lot of clear wisdom and guidance from it. Instead, I think maybe we consider how these laws restore and redeem what was happening, and consider and faithfully discuss their interpretation into our culture, lest we forget God put us, men and women, it says in Genesis one, twenty seven and twenty eight, in charge of ruling and and reigning subduing the things that lead to death. And God put a man and a woman in charge of the Garden of Eden, his special place to represent him and be a blessing to others in his kingdom. He wants us to continue to be creators, workers, carers, um, stewards, name bearers. And He's he wants this creative representation. But in the areas that are not in alignment with his immutable character, those things have to be restored and redeemed. And remember, as Dr. Tim Mackey says, lastly, reading laws is like eating your vegetables. We do it to build healthy bones, and we struggle through the personal reflections and discussions of how this looks in our families, churches, companies, nations, and cultures, and so forth, and a posture of humility and a submission to God or so that's my thinking <laughs> anyway just because I, th- I think so many people have maybe mistreated some of these things and that's just my opinion but if we really focus and see it all through the whole story Genesis 1 and 2 there is something heavy and really important and serious and necessary about the get fit challenge but I think when we read into it too far or we add things to it it can get pretty scary and that's why we need each other to hold each other accountable